This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Praise God. Isn't God good? And this is just one of many that we've been supporting. Um, and, you know, well, several years ago, I guess, um, I kind of had an ambition. We were always giving, you know, as Pastor Brian had mentioned, to uh, I don't know how many there are. I mean, 14, 15, 18, whatever it is that we're giving to on a regular basis. But one of the things that I discovered in that is, is that a lot of times we would have missionaries that had big needs, five, 10, 15, $25,000 needs, which, you know, it seems like a lot of money, I guess, sometimes, depending on your perspective. But I just wanted to be a part of that. Uh, somehow or another that when somebody had a significant need, I, I wanted the church, I wanted us to be able to, you know, have the kind of resource that we could be able to do that with. And so over the years, we have had the privilege of being able to do that. And whether it's John and the ministry that he has uh, from Columbia, you know, and different things that are going on worldwide where he's concerned. And then even Patty Dunnick, or actually Akui, I guess is her married name now, in uh, Samoa, Western Samoa, Vanatu, I think is the way that you pronounce it, and uh, some other places. I mean, the South Pacific, this woman, I mean, it's... uh, (laughs) it's an amazing thing that she is doing what a wide swath that this gal is cutting uh, to make a difference in the lives of hundreds and literally thousands of people. Many of you that have attended regularly have been a part of our contributions where the boat is concerned. It's a ship, a vessel, uh, you know, at least seaworthy. And um, sometimes I look at it as pouring water down a rat hole. Do you know what I mean by that? In other words, the expense on this thing is huge, but the payback is extraordinary. So while it costs, I mean, we bought lots of fuel, $10,000 at a time fuel, uh, because it probably, when they pull into dock, it probably costs them 25,000 to fill it. So it's, you know, these are numbers sometimes that can kind of get a little bit like, wow. But the reality is, is that if you understand the, the, the big picture and the purpose of what it is that we're doing, then it, it requires the church to reach a place of maturity to where we understand to think bigger, if that's the right way uh, to put it. And so as we move forward into this new year, my hope is, is that you will continue as you have, as Pastor Brian said, so grateful for uh, your involvement in all of this. Uh, You're the ones that make it possible. And uh, while we do these things on a monthly basis regularly for all of them, uh, we still have these opportunities to do things special. And so thank you so much. I appreciate it. And as Pastor Brian uh, expressed, so Joan and I want to do the same thing. We had a great holiday because of you. I mean, there were so many of you that reached out to us in various ways, different, very thoughtful, very generous, and uh, and, uh, we're blessed to have a congregation of people like we do, uh, and it's because of you. So God bless you each and every one. Amen? Amen. Praise God. You want to stand with me, please? Maybe turn this down just a little bit. It sounds like to me it's, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Probably just me. Um, I'd like for us to to, uh, just uh, prepare our hearts uh, today um, and um, look to the Lord. And ask him uh, to speak to us. 
you know, we, uh, each and every one of us, we are subjects of his kingdom. And we have surrendered and yielded ourselves to his purposes, at least that's my hope. And so uh, uh, I want to be able to communicate something to you today that is meaningful. So I would just uh, ask you to believe God with me for that utterance in the Holy Ghost. And um, let's look to him for just these few moments. Um, and let's believe God. Father, we thank you that we as a church have the privilege of being alive within this generation that we find ourselves in. And Father, as we know that Jesus stands at the threshold of coming again, it's all the more important, Father, that, well, that we keep the main thing the main thing. So my heart, Father, today is, is that in each and every one of us, you, by the Spirit of God, would work something in us in a way that only you can. That supernaturally, Father, our hearts would be warmed by the possibilities of your plan and your purpose for each and every one of us. And also at the same time, Father, I thank you for bringing relief and grace to those that are in need here within the sound of my voice and those perhaps watching online. I just want to thank you, Father God, that as we come uh, to this place and this service, Father, that, that you'll meet us here. We invite you. And we ask, Father, that you'd have your way in each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you have a Bible with you, I'll invite you or a device perhaps. I'll invite you to open it to Genesis chapter 13. If you don't have anything, no worries. We have it up on the screen. You'll be able to look at it there. And uh, these first scriptures that we're sharing with you this morning are coming from the English Standard Version. And then I get off onto some other things and so on and so forth. But anyway, praise God. Let's look here, first of all, in Genesis chapter 13 and verse 14, one verse that we'll look at here from the Old Testament. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. You know, we have a tendency sometimes, you know, to always be looking backwards and, you know, identifying different things in our lives that maybe weren't so positive or didn't turn out so good or maybe they impacted our lives in a negative kind of way. And um, you, I don't have time to unpack the whole thing, but, you know, Abraham, Abram actually here, was, was on a journey uh, with God. He was moving in a direction, moving forward within the plan of God, just as you and I are. I mean, whether you realize it or not, you know, God has a plan for us and his intent is to move us forward. And so in the middle of that, he uh, approached and Abram had this encounter with him. And notice what he says here. He said, lift up your eyes and look to the, uh, from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. Now I'd like for you, if you would please, turn to the New Testament in Luke chapter 21. Again, the verse will be up on the screen in the English Standard Version. And this uh, is something that Jesus said with regard to the current events and the things that are happening within the world you and I find ourselves to be living in. 
And in verse 28, Jesus makes this statement. Now, when you see these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise up your heads because your, de- your redemption is drawing near. Now, the reason that I point out these two verses of Scripture to you is, is that God wants us looking up, not down. And I know, again, you know, a lot of times in, in, in our lives, you know, just the, 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 the weight, if you want to call it that, um, uh, of life sometimes can be wearisome. And sometimes, you know, we can end up being downtrodden by the things maybe, again, as that have taken place that we weren't really planning on. But, you know, we're here today with the privilege of being able from the place that we are to lift up our heads and look around. And Jesus, again, reechoes this in this testament, uh, in the New Testament there in the book of Luke, when he said, when you see these things begin to take place, then you need to lift up your heads and because your redemption draws nigh. And so I think that if I could give a title to the message that I want to share with you this morning, it would, it would just be awareness, to be aware. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, because the day and age that we're living in, um, we are seeing the things that were prophesied of prophets and, and men of God and men of old uh, for years and years and years. And the reason why I want to talk to you about awareness is, is because it's kind of like what Peter said in his one epistle when he was saying, you know, people say, well, where is the, the sign of his coming? You know, everything continues the way that it is. Jesus said, you know, that people would be marrying and ge- being given in marriage and things would just be kind of going on, you know, and so on and so forth. And we'd just be doing life. But I'm telling you, my friends, that Jesus is standing on the threshold of his second coming into this earthborn existence. And it's all the more reason for us to have the conscious awareness of that and to live accordingly. You understand where I'm coming from? You know, there are all kinds of pursuits that people have, none of which are in and of themselves a wrong thing. But you know, we just need to keep the, the, the most important thing first And that is our relationship with him and the pursuit of his plan and purpose for our lives. Because, you know, at the end of the day, everything that we're trying to achieve or accomplish or acquire or whatever the case might be, it's not going with us. But we can take people to heaven. We can reach the world that is around us with the love of God that he has placed within us. You know, the scripture talks about the fact that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold, but that doesn't mean yours has to. And we see that, you know, we were just in a conversation, my wife and I were with another couple and we were talking about, I don't remember what it was, but at the end of the conversation, I mean, within the context of the conversation, you know, I just said, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people are just unhappy. They're, They're angry, they're mad. And it's because of the things that are going on in the world. Well, you know, the Bible also says that you and I are to shine bright as lights in the world. And one of the things that reflects that light is when you don't buy into the anger or the hate or the whatever, however we may describe it, and where you, you know, you know, emanate something different, which is the life of God that is within you. Hallelujah. 
Now, it does take a commitment. It does take a, a determined purpose that we're going to stay in our lane, as it were, as believers, as children of God. How many saints do we have here this morning? How about the rest of you? You, you need to get saved? Come on now, don't go to sleep on me. No, we're here for a divine purpose. Jesus told his disciples on one occasion, he said, you didn't choose me. I chose you and I ordained you that you should go and that you should bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Now, if for a moment in your thought life, you're thinking, well, you know, that's really kind of the preacher's job. You know, I mean, he's the one that's, you know, supposed to be called. No, we're all the called. Amen. There are people that you'll reach. I'll never reach. People, there are people that you have acquaintance with, you'll be introduced to, you'll be able to talk or speak into their lives that I never will, or Pastor Brian never will. And so it makes it all the more important for us, again, to keep the main thing, the main thing, and again, to have this awareness. And, and you say, well, you know, how, do we, how does that happen in our lives? How do we get so um, maybe taken up or whatever, you know, with so many other things? And I would just, I would just call it preoccupation. You know, we're, we're wondering, you know, where the next paycheck's going to come from or how we're going to deal with this relational problem or this or that. And, and again, all those things are legitimate. But if you're not careful, the distraction of it all can just... It can keep you from what it is that needs to be happening. You know what I'm saying? You know, I don't know how it is for you in your personal life and natural life, you know, but sometimes, you know, I'll make a list. And, uh, you know, I always do the things I don't want to do uh, the most first. And then the, the other things that I enjoy doing, they're the reward on the other end. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, you know, in that process of doing these things, you know, if you're not careful, uh, you can get down into the weeds of one little thing and you're really not getting the list done. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And, you know, it becomes, you know, we get into this minutia, you know, of, uh, well, we need, we probably ought to do this and we should do that and everything like that. And sometimes, you know, we just need, you know, a more generalized approach to it and just say, listen, just, just get it done and move on. And so I think sometimes in our personal lives, uh, it, it, it can happen that way. Let's just say, for example, that we have an offense in our life or something of that nature. And, and you know, if you're not careful, uh, offenses will corkscrew you right into the ground. And they will destroy you, or they can, let's put it that way. And so, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, that we're to handle those kinds of things in our lives in a, a particular kind of way, which begins, first of all, with forgiveness and, you know, prayer for the person, you know, that maybe caused the offense and things of that nature. But how is it that we, we wait so long to do the things that we know we're supposed to do? Am I in the right house? Yes. You know, it, it, these things impact our lives. And if we're not careful about dealing with it right up on the front end, then pretty soon it can, it can turn into days, weeks, months, years, decades, where people are unhappy about whatever it is. And, you know, we don't, we don't have enough life to be doing that. I mean, on this planet, you know. So life's too short to be uh, uh, parking someplace where we don't belong. And the reason I bring all of these things up to you is, is that I want to give you an opportunity this day to, to just provide a, an examination of your own heart where these things are concerned. And then you say, well, I don't really want to deal with that, Pastor. I want you to have some, you know, hang from the chandeliers and let's swing around. Well, sorry, the delivery boy does not have that message. 
but he does have something that can situate you for great advancement into the new year. If we're willing, everybody say willing. willing. Yeah, if we're willing, you know, to just, I'm, I'm not fishing for anything. Please understand, you know, I'm not, uh, that, that's not my, my purpose. My purpose is entirely to allow, well, let me say it this way, to, to, to position you to a place where you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart about whatever's going on. And if nothing's going on, then rejoice. Hallelujah. And if something is going on, you can rejoice too. Hallelujah. Because we'll make some choices and decisions that will bring blessing to our lives. And you know, in the beginning of a new year, just like we find ourselves in now, you know, there's, there's generally uh, a natural opportunity for us to, you know, do some reflection and then also, you know, consideration of what it is that's in front of us. And hopefully that process includes uh, gratitude and expectation where your heart is concerned. Now, you know, I had people show hands. There wasn't, I mean, some people, they, it's a lot of work. Oh, it's so much work. Put your hand up. But I know that I'm within the company of believers. And it is my hope that there would be expectation and also gratitude. You know, Pastor Brian made reference to that, you know, I think in his prayer about this past year and, and how good it is. And you say, well, you know, my, 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 my year hadn't been too good. Well, there are things in that year that probably are good. They just don't happen to be being held at the forefront of your thinking. Am I in the right house? Because we all have challenges. We all have things that we have to deal with. But, you know, I, I come back to this. I don't know. Um, uh, I don't, you know, is it your favorite text? I don't know. Is it your keynote? To, I don't know. All I know is, is that in Jeremiah 29, 11, God said that I know the plans I have for you. Do you know that God has plans for you? Not, not, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, these things, when we make these statements, they're, they're somehow removed from us. They're, oh, that guy over there, you know, or that gal or, you know, this person or that. No, I'm saying that God has a plan for your life. And it ought to be the pursuit of each and every one of us to find out what that plan is and giddy up. Can you say Amen. You say, well, yeah, but I just got too much life going on here. I'm raising kids and I'm trying to, you know, this and that and the other. Well, that's all good. So are we, you know. So, um, <clears throat> but again, if priorities are where they belong, then I believe that we can do both. Can you say amen? And not to mention the fact, hey, you know, if priorities are where they belong, he'll help you in the other stuff. And how many of you know we could use his help? Huh? Y'all still glad you came today? I, you, most of who I can see here is still awake, so that's a good sign. Praise God. He said, I know the plans that I have for you. It's kind of like, I don't know what you're going to do with this. I don't know how you're going to decide how this is all going to go down. But I'm telling you, I have a plan for your life. And then he goes on to explain what that plan is, that they are plans to prosper us and not to harm us. And when I use the word prosper, I'm talking about in all aspects of your life, spiritually, naturally, relationally, you name it, God wants to bless your life with good things and cause there to be a prosperity that comes. And what that means simply is to have a full supply, to have what you need, 
where your life is concerned. To prosper you, not to harm you. To give you, or plans to give you, hope. Hallelujah. And a future. So now, here's the thing you need to understand. If you get your eyes fixated on everything that's going on in the world, uh, you're not going to have any hope. If your hope is in a political system to bring about a desired end or result, you're going to be disappointed. And I don't care who it is that ends up in the White House in a year, that too can be very um, fleeting. Let's put it that way. Because there is no one that is going to fix what it is that's going on within the world except our Heavenly Father. And he's about to fix it. You know, sometimes we see all this stuff going on. We go, you know, God, where are you in all this? Well, you know, uh, the Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. And so while you and I may not have our head wrapped around all of these kinds of things and why this person is where they are and what it is that they're influencing and how there is that this is happening, you just got to get back to this. And he just said, you know, that in the last days, perilous times will come for people will be lovers of themselves. And he goes on and does a laundry list. It's happening. It's occurring. It's going on. Just like he said, you say, well, I don't like that very much, though, because that really influences my life, you know, in kind of a negative way. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, that may be true. But yet, right on the other hand, in spite of that, he has called us to a faithfulness to him. And not only that, but when we are, listen to me, when we are, then he takes care of us. Are you with me? I'm not sure how to take your countenance. Maybe that's why Jeremiah said, don't even look at them. You know, just, just, keep, just keep pounding away and do what you can. Hallelujah. But here's the thing, you know, you and I, we just need to be continually reminded of God's promises that he's made to us because of the harsh, the hostile, the negative world that we find ourselves living in. We're in it, but we're not of it. Are you with me? And so, I mean, there's this incessant pursuit of hell and the world around us seeking our attention looking for it, and, and, and to communicate a, a message that's not necessarily very good. Now, this is a little sidebar, and I thought that this might be fun, but, you know, Chris Matthews, he's, he's an employee of uh, NBC. He was talking about the rural rage that the people in, in rural America have. And, and, and you know, he's, he's creating this narrative, you know. I mean, this guy, I'm sorry, but he is stupid, okay? But, but here's the thing. He's, he's linking this rural rage. Well, I think we probably have a reasonable right to be unhappy about the way some of the things are going. Can I, can I get a witness? Well, he, 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 he links our rural rage to get a load of this. Terrorism. A bunch of terrorists out in the middle of the country, in the rural country, you know. And so I'm thinking to myself, man, how dumb can you get? But yet right on the other hand, that's the world that we live in. So there is, again, as I mentioned, this incessant, you know, just pounding away of things that they're lies. They're not true. 
There's, there's no truth in them. But here's the thing. He said, I still have some plans for you. They're plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope, give you a future. But let's go on and let's read the context of where that verse of Scripture is couched. And, and notice what he says in verse uh, 12. Then, now this, if, if, if there's anything that you get out of today, get this. Okay, what I'm going to tell you right now. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Who's going to do that? You are. Huh? Well, if I can just get someone else to pray, or, you know, that's a preacher's job. He ought to pray. <laughs> well, thank God for prayer, but that's, you know, that's, that's all of us. So he said, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek with all your heart. Hallelujah. I will be found of you, declares the Lord. Now listen to this. And will bring you back from whatever mess that you find yourself to be in. Hallelujah. Like I said, you know, maybe this last year hasn't been the best for you. Maybe the holiday season wasn't the best for you. I don't think that, you know, my wife and I were just talking about how so fortunate and so how blessed we are with our family around the holiday seasons. But not everyone can say that because there is with that associated a lot of unfortunate pain and really discomfort. And, and to you, our hearts are opened wide because we realize that, you, you know, you don't have that, that kind of an experience. But yet, right on the other hand, God is still gracious and he's still faithful and that his grace can then flow in your life and you take and you get what you can, you know, um, from what he's done. But I, I'll just say it this way. Hopefully, you know, within your plans for this new year, it includes the seeking of his plan. Everybody say his plan. His plan, his plan for you first. Okay? People, you know, they'll sit down, they'll say, well, you know, I want to accomplish this, I got to get this done, I got this, you know, and that and the other. Well, at the top of the page, you need to say, what is it that he has for me? Well, I, I, I don't know, Pastor. That's why he said that you will come and pray, and I'll listen to you, and I'll be found of you, and I will he said, turn your captivity. So there's answers for everything that each and every one of you may find yourselves to, to be facing or to be engaged in or involved in. You know, uh, <clears throat> it may be a tough relationship. It could be a financial thing. It may be a health matter. I, you know, I don't know, but I'm just saying that if you want to find out you know, what to do. This verse of scripture is your answer. I'll read it to you again so that we can kind of, you know, drive it down. He said, then you will call on me, come and pray to me, and I'll listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. Now listen to this. When you seek me with how much? All. Say it one more time. All. all. You got to be all in. I mean, the relationship that we have with God is not some ambiguous, uh, shallow, surfacey kind of thing. 
I, I can remember when I was a 19-year-old kid, people were pitching the gospel to me, and they said, you need to give your heart to the Lord. And you know, way down on the inside of me, I knew that, but I was not willing. And, and, um, it, it, and it's so strange, because when I finally figured out that I didn't have any recourse, I, I mean, I did, but it's like, this is dumb. I need to, I need to surrender my heart to him. Uh, you know, looking, looking back, it was like, why in the world was I not willing? You know, sometimes we have this mistaken idea about our relationship with God that, you know, it, it, it kind of morphs into this thing, well, I certainly don't want to obey God or listen to him. He'll send me to Africa. I'll be like John Romek and God only knows where, you know. And so there's a reluctance, okay? But yet right on the other hand, he had and has a plan for you. And there's no better place I'm not suggesting you're going to end up in Africa, but there is no better place for you to be than in the will of God. It might be that you're a business person that is helping to finance the kingdom of God, you know, within this church or other places. I mean, I think about it over the past four and a half decades now, how God, I mean, there was, I mean, people came to this location to make this church their home. And listen to me, you guys, they had no reason to come out in a cornfield. But God had a reason. And he gathered up this group of people and he used a, a number of them to be able to help to finance what it is that you're sitting in. What it is that you now have the privilege to be able to enjoy because others of our history said yes and were willing or obedient to, to be the supply that they needed to be. You say, well, I want to be in that line. I want to be in that line. Well, good. I'm glad for that. You should be. But my point to it is, is that we all have a place. So what we don't want to do is, is have this reticence, this reluctance maybe in our heart to not yield. What will he say to me? I'm, I'm afraid of what he'll say. You don't have to be afraid. Why? Because whatever it is that he tells you, you know, it's where you belong. Are you with me? And you say, well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There, you know, chances are reasonably good if I do this, man, there could be a sacrifice. Yep. Amen. But you've got to be willing to say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Are you listening to me? And listen to me this morning, everyone. This is something you can do. And, and, and I'll give you another caveat to that. You know, a lot of times people don't make these kinds of decisions because they're too concerned about everybody else. What are they going to think? Well, if I do that, then that means I can't. Well, maybe. But I'm telling you what, my friend, the, the reward far outweighs the sacrifice. You know, when my wife and I first started in ministry, I didn't mean to get off on this, but I guess here we go. We, <laughs> we went out, it's kind of like Abraham in the, in the book of Hebrews. We went out not knowing where we were going. But we said, yes, we want to follow you. We want to do your will. And I was in a little church in Woodbine, Iowa, and God called me into the ministry on the 11th day of June in 1977. I had no idea what that would look like. I married my wife, hallelujah, finally got a brain. 
And we went to Bible school and, you know, did all of that. We came back here and, and uh, we didn't really know what we were going to do, but we wanted to put our hand to something, so we did. And in the month of November in 78, uh, one Monday night, I'm at home minding my own business, praying. But then the Lord came and visited me and said, I want you to start a church. I said, Lord, I don't want to start no church. And I said, you know, the Methodists already came into our community and did a survey and nobody wants another church. It really, that was my conversation with him. And it's kind of like, you know, arguing with God is dumb. But you know, we do it. And so anyway, uh, through the course of that visit, um, I said, yes, I'll do it, Lord. But you got to talk to her. She was gone that night. And um, so... I don't know, some days after that, uh, we were together and I said, you know, honey, uh, I, I believe that God has spoken to my heart and that we are to uh, start a church. And she looked, with me, looked at me with them hazel eyes and said, uh, I believe you're right. We need to obey God. And so we, you know, kind of walked through that whole thing because, and the reason I'm sharing this story with you is, is that um, there were going to be some serious social ramifications to what we were doing. And uh, so you, you have to uh, gird up the loins of your mind, if that's the right way to put it, because you're going to take some heat. You know, if you're going to follow God, if you're going to obey God, I don't care, you know, in your personal life. I was just, you know, buzzing through the news feed and Mark Wahlberg, you know, he's an actor and he lives in Hollywood and uh, um, the whole article was the fact that he doesn't give a rip, really, what people think in Hollywood with regard to his faith. Now, it isn't that we're, you know, adversarially against people, but you have to get, you have to get delivered from what it is that people think about your obedience and your following God. Hmm. So we made the decision and we went and talked to the most, the, clo the people closest to us that it would impact the most. And, and really just to share our heart about what we were doing. We weren't doing it to, you know, create problems. We weren't doing it to make life difficult. We weren't doing anything. The reason for this was nothing more than for us to obey what God had put in our heart. And um, <clears throat> even at that, uh, it wasn't very well received. Because I guess you could just say that we weren't on the same page. Now, thank God, the Lord spoke to us on a given day and he said not only, he said there's coming a day when not only will they agree with what you're doing, but they'll become a part of it. And we latched on to that because we were dealing with it. Am I in the right house? You know, and so I, I just have to say to you, you know, that while he has these plans for you, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and future. You know, sometimes, and, and I don't know, I don't even know what your situation looks like, but I'm telling you, this is real. I'm talking about the reality of your life and having to um, give consideration to these things about who it is that's influencing you in, in a way that is moving you toward the kingdom or away from it. Am I in the right house? I've said that three times. Hmm. I think I am. Yeah, because that's life. You know, Jesus talked about it in general terms about, you know, you got to lay your life down. 
you know, uh, you know, pick up your cross, follow me. This is the cross that he's talking about, having to endure, you know, adversity, opposition, disappointment, you know, and, and, and it becomes a growing kind of thing. You say, well, are you afraid of that? No, not really. And the reason is, is because my hope and my help is in the Lord. So if I get come against or if something, you know, of a negative nature happens one way or another, thank God he's going to fight my battles. Don't we sing that? Don't we have a, a song, you know, about God fighting our battles? You know, I think about Daniel so very often, you know, and some of the things that he endured. And we don't have time again to unpack those things, but he, he was... He was uh, come against in a significant kind of way by the peers and the people that were around him. And you know, the Bible says, I mean, you talk about a guy walking upright, they couldn't find, they said, there's no way that we can find a fault in this guy. The only way we'll be able to do it is we can find it in, their, in his religion. And so they, you know, buddied up to the king and said, you know, you are the greatest thing that has ever happened since sliced cheese. And I tell you, we think we should make a decree that no one should worship any other God except, you know, you and all this and that and the other. And so they placated him and he agreed. And, and Daniel, uh, <clears throat> in order to fulfill what it is they wanted to do, it's a conspiracy against him. But he didn't change. I said he didn't change. Are you with me? And, you know, and pretty soon... Um, you know, he, was, he ended up in a lion's den because of it. But the king knew that for, for, for jealousy, envy, whatever, however you want to describe it, that he had been delivered uh, into the king's hand. He had to keep the decree. But he said, you know what? Your God will keep you. Well, thanks, king, but I'm the one that's going to get dropped in there here in a moment. And maybe that's a case, you know, where, you know, sometimes you feel like you're in the lion's den. Well, you know, God can keep their appetite until you get out. Huh? You say, well, I'd like to get delivered right now sooner than later. Don't we all? But you know what? We'll stay faithful to him. And when the time comes, deliverance will come. Hallelujah. And so it did with this man. And of course, everybody else ended up in there, you know, and they became lunch. And I tell you, you guys, I mean, I've seen it time and time again over all these years. Joan and I have been involved in ministry when people, you know, they're going to attack you. They're going to come against you. They'll, you know, say all manner of evil against you. They'll lie. They'll do all these kinds of things. But I tell you, sooner or later, if you stay the course, you stay within his plan, you continue to walk in love, you don't allow yourself to step into the trap. Sooner or later, what it is that they had planned for you comes on them. Now, that's not something that we wish, but you know, whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Are you with me? If we sow love, and, and, and please understand this, these are absolute biblical, spiritual, living truths. So you, you can't be afforded the luxury of saying, yeah, but I, 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 I just really want to be a little ornery right now. Because I'm feeling taken advantage of. I'm feeling used. I'm feeling whatever. But you, child of God, are not afforded that luxury. 
Can you say amen? I mean, you know, Daniel could have stood up and said, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what's going on here. You know why these guys have done this to me and how they've set this thing up and so on and so forth. But he just kept his eyes where they needed to be. And he got delivered. And the other three friends that he had, they ended up in a furnace too. But guess what? Jesus jumped in there with them. Are you with me? Maybe you feel like you're in a furnace. Huh? But I'm telling you what, praise God, there's a fourth man in that fire. And his name is Jesus. And he'll deliver you. I tell you what, I believe that 24 has got some real promise for people that will make the adjustment. Do you, do you understand what I mean by that? You know, some people, they, if you're not careful, it's like the frog in the kettle and you can get cooked and you're not knowing it. And your attitude becomes more and more sour. And that's all the more reason for you to put yourself in a, a place. In other words, crawl out of the pot and go take a cold shower. You know what I'm saying? Get out of it. Get out of your funk. You say, yeah, but I just can't. That's not true. It's, it's something that you think, but it's not true. And sometimes, you know, that's why the Bible makes reference to the washing of the water of the Word of God. If we would just bathe ourselves in the Bible, in the New Testament, particularly the epistles, and we would just spend some time and let God wash or cleanse or free us from our circumstance, we'd be so much better. I'll give you a great example. This is a natural kind of an example, but maybe again you uh, uh, had noticed that there are people that are flocking or, or leaving California at an unbelievable rate. And what they're doing is they're going to Idaho, they're going to Montana, they're going to Wyoming, they're going to all these different states. Well, uh, there's a little town in Idaho where a lot of um, policemen, firemen, and some different ones of that nature are all moving because they want to get out. And the thing about it is, is they consider themselves to be Republicans. But they're Republicans on a different level. Okay? And so they come into Idaho in this little town. I can't remember what the name of it is. And, and, and the unfortunate part of that is, is that they bring with them their mindsets their ideologies, and their way of thinking that they have been conditioned with in another state. And so the people in Idaho are going, whoa, 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 back up the train. This is not the Republican uh, way in which we think. Well, I only use that as an example, and I don't pretend to understand how to unpack all of that. But I, what I'm saying is, is that we can get into a place of funk where our lives are concerned without even knowing it. Yeah. You say, well, so what's the answer? Um, Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 14. Amen. Spend some time with him. Pray. Ask God. Seek him again with all your heart and get in the book and let the book get in you. It's the battle cry of the, of the church, you guys, for us to be about the Father's business, to make that our priority and not to allow ourselves to, well, get in a place where we don't belong. Y'all still glad you came? I know that's number four, but I said it a different way, but, you know.
I really want to help you. I want your year to be great. And this is the only way I know how to help that. You say, yeah, but you don't understand. And I probably don't. You know, there, there are people that experience a lot of pain and, and unfortunate things that I, I may never know anything about. So I don't. But I can tell you this much about it. He does. Okay? And, and, and what I propose to you uh, this morning is, uh, how would I say it? Um, well, it's a means for you to get delivered, listen, if you want to. Don't ever have the mistaken idea, well, I just can't, or you don't realize how they've done this or that or the other. These, all of those things are heart issues, you know? You can, you can beat your drum till Jesus comes about how you were mistreated and this and that, or you can say, God, you know all about this, and you know where I am and how much pain I'm in, and I'm asking you to come and visit me so that my life can be different. And you know what? He will. I said he will. I won't be there, but he will. Are you listening to me? So hopefully, you know, um, uh, we're putting him first. Wow, this is really strange. I got six pages of notes and I just turned one. <laughs> we're in trouble. <laughs> Hallelujah. Talk, I, let me talk to you a minute for define, about defining moments. This kind of all kind of goes into what, what it is. Uh, is that all right? Huh? You know, think about this with me. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. What are his plans for you? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, then we can find out. Let me ask you another question. What are your plans? And do they include him? You know? Let's talk about defining moments. We've all had them. You know, if I can say, hey, what's, what's the most defining moment that maybe you had in your life, this, that, or the other, and you say, well, you know, that would be this. And there are different causes why we have these, these moments in our life. Salvation. Was salvation a defining moment in your life? Wow, what a game changer. Or maybe it was being filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Never expected that, but here it came. God had this gift, and I'm ready for it. It might have been marriage. The best decision outside of Jesus I ever made is to marry her. Okay? Now, there's another side of her that you guys really don't know, because she's also nice and, you know, and a smiley and all that, but I live with her. So, so pray for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, so maybe, maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's something, you know, there, there came gain to your life. Or maybe there was loss. It really was defining. It could be events. It could be achievements. You know, when you graduated and different things of that nature. Discoveries. It could be decisions that you made or choices. It could be divine visitations, encounters that you've had, like I talked about with salvation or being filled with the Spirit. Uh, it can be a moment in your life of obedience where you said, God, I'm going to do this for you. Could be moments in your life where you disobeyed. It could be, you know, um, uh, acts of love, kindness that you sh showed toward someone, you know, and how that changed their life. It could be acts of 
selfishness too, you know, where just we allowed hate or whatever, you know. But, but the point is, is that defining moments, this is an important point that I'm making here. Defining moments within our lives, they give shape and they give form to the direction and the course of your life. Those defining moments that we talked about, and like I said, you could go through, but they give shape and form to the defining moments in your life. It's what makes you you, you know, in many ways. And, and so it becomes important for us in our thinking along those lines because while these things happen to us, they don't necessarily, def- well, necessarily I say, they don't define who you are. Any of you had some bad things happen in your life? Maybe you experienced the ravages of divorce or whatever, and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're, you're on a whole different page. And you've got to work through that. And, and the point that I want to make in that is, is that sometimes it's overwhelming, but I want you to know that you're not in that process alone. Are you with me? And so you decide. You can say, well, you know what? This just, you know... Life is such a booger, and I mean, I'm just, you know, this or that or the other. Or you can say, you know, yep, this occurred. There's nothing I can do about it. I can't change it, but I can certainly do something. What did he tell Abram to do? He said, lift up your eyes from where you are and look and move on. Are you with me? And, and I believe that in that, there is a path towards redemption, reconciliation in the context of your relationship with God and this and that. Think about, uh, what was her name? Ruth? You know, when she went with Naomi, you know, she said, your people are going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. That was definitely an uh, expression of someone's character about the fact she was going to take care of her mother-in-law, even though her mom or her mother-in-law had said, you can go, go live your life. She said, no, man, I'm with you. And so she went and, you know, you talk about poor, talk about, you know, when you have to get the gleanings off of a field that are left over from the people that harvest it, uh, I'd say you're pretty close to the bottom of the barrel. But you know what? She didn't stay there. And there's just something about you having the integrity and character within your heart to be a follower and a worshiper of God that he is going to show up in your life and he's going to bring about changes, the wildest of which you could never, ever imagine. I'm telling you, God is so good and he is so faithful. So don't ever think for one moment, you know, well, where's God and all of this? It, it, It really is an adjustment within our heart that has to be made God knows all about that, you know. I was telling you the story about my, you know, needing to get saved. And <clears throat> I walked the aisle. You know, people talk about the Soul Peace Band, you know, that was, you know, out on the football field. I walked the aisle, but I didn't get saved. Now, everybody else thought, hey, 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 look, 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 look. Outward appearances, don't nis- they don't translate into heart kinds of things, I did it because, you know, well, everybody's putting heat on me, Bill. They said, you need to give your heart to Christ. I said, well, yeah, I know that, but I don't want to. And I'll tell you exactly why. I didn't want to give up all of my flaky, funky friends. 
It was dumb, yeah, I understand that, but you know we are where we are. So before you start throwing all your rocks, you know, at people and you say, well, how dumb can you get? You know, why don't they figure it out? It's because they're lost. And it's because they're blind. And because the God of this world is endeavoring to destroy their life. And that was what was happening to me. So I walked out, you know, I did what they did. And everybody's shouting hallelujah except me. You know, I don't know. I, I can't even remember the course of all of this. But anyway, somebody invites me to a Bible study. Well, I go to the Bible study, not because I want to study the Bible, because I know that she's going to be there, and she made a decision that she was going to follow Jesus, and she dropped me like a bad habit. You say, well, that wasn't very kind. No, but it was the smartest thing that this woman could have ever done. And young gals, do not settle for less than God's best in your life. I am telling you, don't. And I've watched so many, you know, that, that have had to endure all of, you know, the loneliness and the thing, you know, and all of that. But I'm telling you what, man, when Boaz showed up, we got happy. That's the life you want, okay? And not only does that go for guy or girls, but it goes for guys. The Bible says that God will give you the desires of your heart. So in the meanwhile, you make it your ambition to seek him and they will show up. You with me? So anyway, where was I? Oh, we're at the Bible study. Not because of her? Yeah, no, not because of the Bible, because of her. Well, I sat there for three weeks, one night a week, listening to the Word. Everybody say, thank God for the Word. Thank God for the word. And I finally, I mean, I probably could have got saved the first night if, they, if the lesson just would have progressed a little quicker. But whatever the third lesson was, I realized that I had a decision that only I could make to either receive Christ or to go on in my messed up, goofed up, kind of way. And so I was driving home, and I have an altar pitched just north of BB Town, about two miles, where there used to be a Christmas tree farm. And I stopped there often. I was there on my anniversary. We were on the motorcycle. We stopped on my anniversary, 46 years, 46 years of being saved? I don't know, 46, 7, yeah, whatever it was. So we just had a moment right there. It was kind of our Bethel you know, kind of like what Jacob had, you know, and, uh, or mine anyway, because right there is when I made the decision to give him all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my mind and life. God. Surrender. That's the way it happens. Are you listening to me? And that's the point of change. So, so I'll just say this to you. You know, I don't know. You know, some of you are maybe guests or whatever. I don't know where you're at. I don't know. But I'm just telling you that God has a plan for you, and it is good. And, and I, don't, I don't really think that things I've communicated today are, are just something that I came up with. I think it's divine. I think it's something that the Lord is speaking to you about. 
And all of these things that I've talked about, you know, that you're having to process that, you're having to think about those things, and, and hopefully it resonates where you're concerned about your life. But I'm telling you, you don't want to miss out on what God has for you as a human being, whatever your age is. You want to know. Because when I made the decision there on the corner, you know, of L34 and uh, gave my heart to him, my life changed forever. And it's, and, and here's the thing. I could have never, I, I, I couldn't do it on my own. It never would have ever, ever happened. Why? Because it's supernatural. It's not natural. He said, if any man, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I had to call. You know, while everybody's trying to push me into a relationship with God, at the end of the day, it was really just about me and him. Amen. And that's not just true for salvation, you guys. It's true for everything. Because the, the, the awareness, and I'm not obviously going to ever get this all done, but the awareness, it's a heart issue. It's not out here. Well, you know, if you had better services, you know, then maybe I'd be in a better place where my life is concerned. And if your music was different, I mean, you know, that there, you know, I just don't. You know, let me say something to you um, lovingly and respectfully, but, but I just got to tell you that that stuff there that you're talking about, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe you're wired a different way, but listen to me, you guys. That stuff is nothing but excuses. <laughs> Start the car. That didn't go over real good. Hallelujah. It is. You know? It, it, and, and um, yeah, you're going you're gonna to be in environments that are more, quote, unquote, suitable to you. But anybody can criticize I mean, critics abound, you know, and really what we ought to do is, you know, if we're not happy about something, maybe we ought to pray about it. Say, hey, Lord, you know my heart, and I want to lift up whoever's leading that, and I want to ask you to speak to their hearts and, and, and guide them in the way that they should go for your purposes and your glory. Not my selfish interest, but yours. <laughs> okay. All right, moving right along. Trying to come to a divorce, or I mean a divorce. <laughs> I just read that in my notes. Um, let's just say this again. There's many things that do end up happening to us, but they don't have to define who we are. And they don't. They really don't. You know, people will come against you, things will happen in your life. That's not, that doesn't, that doesn't define who you are. You know, some of you grew up in homes, man, that were totally jacked. You know, there was no love. You know, you had some kind of an austere uh, uh, individual or whatever in that home. Um, when, you, when you talk about a loving father, you have no point of reference because your dad was anything but that. But I'm just saying that whatever it is that you deal with, um, he can fix it. And um, I have a lot of other things that I could uh, um, say here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to page six somehow or another. 
Oh, I'll close with this, and I, I won't even have you turn there. But a great story is the story of Jacob. Now, Jacob was, you know, of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, would have been the third of that generation of people. And he had a twin brother, Esau. And you know the story about Jacob was a, he was kind of a snake, okay? I, you know, even though he was chosen, he was a Nerf ball, okay? He stole his brother's, you know, birthright. And uh, before it was over with, Isaac was getting ready to die. And his mother liked him better than uh, Esau. Any of you ever had a mother that likes your sibling more than you? <laughs> Happens. It's been going on forever. What are you two doing? I've got two brothers that are sitting here going, he liked her, you know, whatever. We're not going to get in the middle of that. But anyway, so she you know, told him what to do. He went in and, and he got the blessing of his father in place of or instead of the firstborn, which was Esau. Well, that caused some problems and he had to run for his life. Now, one of the things that uh, his dad told him was, is don't take a wife from the people that are around us. Go back from where I came from or where we came from and get yourself a wife. And because his dad told him that, Esau, because he allowed bitterness, he didn't get better, he got bitter. And because that happened, he went down to the Canaanites and took a wife from them out of spite toward his dad, you know? Well, his dad had been deceived. It wasn't his dad's fault. Are you seeing where I'm coming from here? You know, a lot of times we can, we can do... We can place blame on lots of different things, man, but sometimes you gotta, you got, and, and, and all of it is intended to kill, steal, and to destroy. Hell wanted to destroy Esau's life. And so he started going down that path. Now, there's, there was restitution, things that, that occurred, but that's not my point. So uh, Jacob took off. He ran, fled for his life, went back to Haran, which is where Abram actually started in the beginning generations before to find himself a wife. Well, the Bible tells us that this cat laid down someplace, took a bunch of rocks and used them for a pillow. I don't know how good that could probably be, but you know, when you got Mike Lindell selling these pillows, you know, you just, you kind of got to have something a little better. But anyway, he uses these rocks as a pillow and he dreams a dream. What happens? God visits him right there and tells him, you know, what it is that's going on. He, you know, it's where Jacob's ladder, the angels ascending, descending, and then all of a sudden God spoke out of heaven and spoke to him. You can read it. I think it's, I don't know what chapter's in. You look it up. Anyway, uh, and um, he wakes up. Now, here's my point that I want to give to you before we close. When he woke up, the first thing that came out of his mouth was, surely, God is in this place, and I didn't know it. I'm telling you, God's in this place, in this house. And I want you to be aware that whatever it is that's going on right now in your life, He wants to do something about it. Are you listening to me? And you say, but, but what do I do? The only thing that you have to do is just say, God, I'm yours, and this thing is yours, and I give it to you. That's called surrender.
You know, maybe you haven't made a commitment to Christ. Well, you can do that today, right now. It's your decision, you know. You can carry on or whatever. Well, when this was all over with, he said, surely God's in this place, and I didn't know it. The Bible says that he then prayed a prayer, and he vowed a vow. And he just said that if you'll do this and this and this and bring me back to my people, then you will be my God, and I'll give you a tenth of everything that I have. And guess what? God did that. Will he do that for you today? He certainly will. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you today for this brief moment that we've had together. And God, I hope that in the context of it, it has been an opportunity, Father, for us, again, to have our hearts warmed by your very presence. I pray for the people that are present here today, Lord, each and every one of them having their own needs. But Lord, I know that you have a plan and a purpose for them, plan to prosper, not to harm, to give them hope, to give them a future. But that future and that hope, Father, all of it rests within you. So Lord, may each and every one of us here today for just this moment, simply unpeel our heart before you, Father, and yield to your purposes and your plan for each and every one of us. I want you to pray this prayer with me, church. Say this with me, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so very much for what it is you've done for me. And Lord, I come to you today with a heart of surrender to your plan and purpose. Help me, Lord, to yield to what it is that you've asked me to do. I give you my all and I thank you for your blessing. In Jesus' name. While your heads are still bowed, your eyes are closed, no one's looking around. You may be a person that's here today and you've never asked Christ to come into your heart, be the Lord of your life. It's important. It represents eternal life, living within the presence of God for all of eternity. And like I said, you know, in my message, you know, sometimes there's things that trip us up or keep us from making the decision because we think that the price is too high or it will require this or that or the other. But I just want to tell you, friend, that it will be the best decision that you ever make in your life. So while every head is bowed, eyes closed, no one's looking around. We're not here to embarrass you. We're, we're here to help you. If you've never made a decision to receive Christ, to really take him as your Lord and Savior, and, and really, and, I, and I'll say this, you know, it requires that we repent from our sin and ask him to save us. And repentance just means turn 180 degrees and go the other way. So if you're here, and you'd say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, I have an interest in your prayer because I want to make that decision. Can I see your hand anywhere as I'm looking? Those of you that are online, if you find yourself in that place, anyone as I look here this morning, maybe you're just not there yet. I understand that. But please, my friend, please find a place of repentance in your life 
while you can, please. Before we move on, again, is there anyone here that you'd say by your uplifted hand, Lord, I want to make you the Lord of my life. Anyone as I look. Well, Father, I thank you for this time we've had together and for those who have been present here, Father. And I do lift up anyone, Father, who has yet to make the decision. And God, I pray that through the course of their lives um, in real time and, and soon, that, Father, they'll respond to the call that you're making on their heart. And I thank you, Lord God, for your blessing in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, please, let's grab our uh, um, communion uh, elements. Uh, I'll get it, honey. Thank you, Jesus. almost have to work a miracle to get these things open. Have you noticed that? <clears throat> Let me talk to you about a decision and a defining moment that someone made for you. His name is Jesus. With he uh, gathered with his disciples, on a given night, he said, it's with desire that I've desired to have this supper with you before I suffer. They didn't understand that, but he did. And from that table, he chose to use two different um, things that were there, bread and wine, to represent something about a new covenant that he was about to consummate so that you and I could be here today, so that we could really have a access to him and a relationship with him. We come to celebrate that table this morning. He said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you demonstrate, you show, you proclaim my death until I come. So we're still doing it, but he's coming again. So with the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, wow, how blessed we are as a people. So if you would, just bow your heads with me. We'll participate together. <clears throat> Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for this moment in our lives that we have to acknowledge your sacrifice, and not only that, but your willingness to die for every one of us. And God, together today, we're here as your people, well, enjoying the benefit of what it is your son was willing to do. So we thank you for his body that was broken. And we receive, Father God, as we partake, that by his stripes we are healed. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. You may partake of the bread. And Lord, with this cup, the cup of life, his blood represented in it, 
so that there could be a remission of our sins and the washing away, Father, of all guilt, condemnation, and shame. And so we thank you, Lord, for this relationship we hold with you that wouldn't be possible without what it is he did. And we thank you, Father, for your grace extended toward us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may partake of the cup. Hallelujah. I think there's a dispenser as you're walking out. If you'd be willing to just grab those and take them with you. Well, I don't know about you. I'm glad you came. I'm glad to be here. May not have been, like I said, the raw, raw kind of message that you were looking for to get your year started out all right. But I'll leave that up to Pastor Brian. Hallelujah. Just come back next week and, you know, you can can preach the pain off the walls and you'll all be happy. Hallelujah. But I I gotta tell you before we close, I just want you to know how much we really do love you. And we, um, our expectation is for his best in your lives in this coming year. And please know this, that if there's anything that we can do to help you, please let us know that, will you? I mean, sometimes we're reluctant to do that. And I was just, I'm not trying to prolong this, but I think it's important. A lot of times we don't know what's going on in people's lives. Sometimes we're embarrassed by that. We don't, you know, really want people to know our stuff. But you know, sometimes we need someone to come alongside us and help us. And so that's all we're here for. We're not gonna, you know, go and, you know, parade your problem to the rest of the world. We don't do that. But we will partner with you and believe God with you for whatever it is that you have as a need within your life. And so, Just know that Pastor Brian, Rachel, our staff, Joan and I, we stand ready to help in any way that we can because we do love you. Glory to God. You know, it's it's a wonderful thing that God has given to us as a family and we're we're grateful. And, And I'll just close with one more thought here. And this is something that my wife and I was talking about in that concept of asking and how difficult that can be. I never ever seen this. I mean, I've been reading the Bible for 45, 50 years. I never seen it before. But when James was writing in his letter in the fifth chapter, he he asked the question, is anybody sick among you? It says, let them call for the elders of the church to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. And if sin is the cause of it, it'll be forgiven them. I never seen it before that the person that was sick is the one who needed to do the asking. Are you with me? And and I there's something there's just something you know sometimes we do have to humble ourselves and say you know I I need help or Lord I need your help or whatever the case might be. When we don't do that then the problem continues or lingers you with me so let's just get her all cleaned up glory to god so we can move forward and get where we need to be can you say amen Amen. all right please stand with me if you would please thank you for being so attentive Uh, we love you guys we hope you have a great uh, uh, new year's eve whatever it is maybe it's taking a nap or going to bed early i don't know but whatever it is we want you to have a great great time so greet those around you you can be dismissed and uh We'll talk to you again. Hallelujah.